Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Hey, all seven rounds in heaven is back. We're brought to you by the Armchair Media Network. Kendall Hinton didn't deserve that. It is I, Rob Paul, a.k.a. A fan of the worst 11-0 team in NFL history? <laughs> and with me, as always, is AJ. The Seahawks only win weird Marchese. Oh my, this was a normal win with a weird ending, Rob. Get over it. Well, this, there was a lot of weird. A lot of weird no, took place. Just like every Seahawks game. game. Very normal game. Yeah. Normal for the Seahawks, maybe. Weird for everyone else. Today, we're talking all the NFL rookies who thrived and struggled in Week 12. Let's hit it. Seven. 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 Seven rounds in heaven with my baby. Driving up to Cleveland, maybe. Looking for a Lawrence or Sewell. Don't draft specialists on the first day. Don't draft specialists on the second day. Maybe draft a punter in the six. We'll see. Let's go seven rounds. Let's go seven rounds together. Let's go seven rounds forever. And that's a song. The wait is finally over. Football is in full effect, with many teams strutting their stuff. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on everything imaginable this season, from game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props. Bet Online gives you more options to wager than any place online. Head to Bet Online today and use promo code Armchair to take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, AJ. Um, like a before we show. get into that, <laughs> that was multiple people. That was all my roommates. Oh, that's cool. So fun. Before we get into NFL rookies, let's talk opt-out declarations and senior bowl acceptances. Uh, quickly, we're, I swear this is going to carry over. We're seeing guys opt-out and declare now that we're late in the season and their teams are out of it and they'd rather not play the last two games in the meaningless bowl. Yep. So they're opting out and declaring. I think that's going to carry over past the COVID season. I think... It will as well. And, again, as we've talked about, it just comes to if the scouts are going to, quote-unquote, punish them for it or not, right? And I think neither of us have any issues with guys doing this. Like, do I really need to see Terrace Marshall? Like, it'd be nice to see him against Patrick Sertain, but he's also given me two years of great tape. Like, I don't no. think him having – I mean – him having a dominant game against Patrick Sertain would certainly help him, but they're not going to. He's got two terrible freshman quarterback. Like, I'm not too worried yeah. that he opted out and declared. No. 
along with Terrace Marshall, um, obviously the LSU wide receiver, we got Arkansas running back Rakeem Boyd, UCF wide receiver Marlon Williams, Texas tackle Samuel Cosme, Oklahoma State tackle Tevin Jenkins, Florida State corner Asante Samuel Jr., and Texas safety Caden Stearns. And so basically none of those guys were headed towards playing in a meaningful bowl game. Not at all. Uh, Yeah, so it makes total sense. I mean, a couple of those guys are potential first-round picks. Uh, Terrace Marshall, Samuel Cosme, and Sonny Samuel Jr. And uh, Two more games of tape, I don't think it really matters. Um, I'm excited to see them all declare. I really like Asante Samuel Jr. Uh, I think Marlon Williams, the UCF wide receiver, is going to be a really fun eval. For sure. Um, I'm kind of surprised that Caden Stearns declared, only because he wasn't very good this year. Mm-hmm. Um and he's a guy who obviously had some first round clout after his freshman year, uh, but other than that, I, I think pretty pretty much. Every, and the thing is, like Rakeem Boyd's a senior, and obviously, um, this is the COVID season, so everybody gets an extra year of eligibility. So we've talked about it before. We're gonna have to see seniors kind of decide that they're declaring. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the first twenty minutes of the show, the show going down the stretch is just gonna be you naming names of guys declaring. It's gonna be sick. Hey, the other thing is we're seeing all these guys grad transfer now, too. Um, yeah. A lot of guys look like they're going to take advantage of their final extra year by grad transferring. We saw Mackenzie Milton, the the UCF quarterback, is grad transferring. And obviously, in 2018, he was incredible before the leg injury. Um, I mean, we just saw Temple quarterback Anthony Russo is also grad transferring. I think we're going to see a lot of the, that where it's like kind of fringy prospects, guys who are good college players yeah borderline maybe draftable at uh, potentially or at least be in a training camp guys i think we're gonna see a lot of those seniors become super seniors in grad transfer no that's a good point and, and just like we saw in the offseason a lot of the uh you know borderline draftable late draftable uh fcs guys moving up to the to the fbs because of losing the season and it's just uh it's just all the ramifications of COVID. it's kind of interesting and extremely weird. yes Super weird, super interesting. Going to be weird draft process, weird tracking this. It's going to have an impact over the next more than, I mean, this past draft, this draft, next year's draft. They're all going to be impacted by these types of things. It's going to be super weird, but I agree with you. Super interesting. Uh, I mentioned Senior Bowl acceptances, AJ's favorite part of the show, where I name the offense. AJ tells me coolest player <laughs> okay then i named the defense and then aj tells me the coolest player it's the greatest part of the show let's do it um okay so senior uh, offensive acceptances not too many uh ohio state running back trey sermon arizona state wide receiver frank darby and southern methodist tight end kylan granson i think the coolest player of that three players rob is is Frank Darby, who I was really excited about in the summer. Uh, the Pac-12 season's weird. We don't even see Arizona State play that much. But I'm still excited. I thought he could have been a huge riser, and I think he can go into Mobile, and if, if it happens, put on a show. Yeah, Arizona State has played one game. He, uh, it's, I think this is huge for him in particular because, like you mentioned, he, he, we both thought he was going to be a big-time senior receiver riser this year. I almost feel just with everything going on with Arizona State right now, maybe we won't see him play a game. 
Uh, he he got hurt in that first game and didn't really play. Um, so this is actually massive for his draft stock because he's a guy who looked like he could potentially be a top 100 pick. Exactly. And so, yeah, th- this is one of the examples that guys who you kind of maybe forget about during the season and, like, uh, this weird-ass year really affects them. And then, hey, if the Senior Bowl happens, uh, this is huge just on a personal level for his stock. Okay, I'll, I'll give you the defensive ones now. Uh, a couple more. Um, Houston Edge, Peyton Turner. Ohio State Edge, Jonathan Cooper. Ohio State Linebackers, Baron Browning and Tuff Borland. In Washington Corners, Elijah Molden and Keith Taylor. The coolest player, Rob? Elijah Molden for sure, baby. Wow, I'm shocked. You went two for two. Maybe you're just playing up to my love for the Pac-12, but you went two for two. I think they're just the coolest. That's all I got to say. Um, and, hey, we, we saw Molden. We talked about him uh, on this week's show at the last episode, how dominant he was mm-hmm. uh, on Saturday. One of, the, one of the best players in college football on the weekend for sure. And um, you said you think he's a day two guy. Uh, I, I think the senior bowl is big for him, but, like, not that big, if, if that's fair. Like, you know, he's always not going to look the greatest – in shorts and stuff he's not the biggest not the most athletic or anything like that but uh when you get him on a field like that against the best of the best and you know he's gonna go out and compete his ass off uh i think there's gonna be a lot of guys a lot of people impressed with him yeah and he's also the other type of the the type of guy where in the interviews i don't know Mm -hmm. what the interview process is gonna be like this year but he's gonna nail those too just with the football IQ and, and the instincts you see on the field. I'm very excited to see him against, we've already talked about this, wide receiver group is shaping up to be pretty cool. So uh, seeing Elijah Molden versus some of those guys is going to be fun. Um, I also think Baron Browning's a guy who can do a ton for himself there because he is going to look really good in shorts. Yeah. Uh, former five-star elite athlete, slowly putting it together now as a redshirt senior at Ohio State. Um, he's a guy who I think could be so flashy like he'll confirm himself confirm himself as a top 100 guy there um so i'm excited to see him in a weaker linebacker group he could be like a really big riser like like a la willie gay or something like that but um yeah that yeah just in terms of freaky athlete plays really hard and and you're just banking on the other things coming later like the the instincts and whatnot yes yeah exactly but in this group um like, I, th- I do think, like you said, top 100 possible, but um, a little harder to make a huge climb, right? I think Peyton Turner might be the most interesting one of the group. I, uh, um, I he, He's bat- Go ahead. So he's battled injuries this season mm-hmm. uh, at, at Houston, but, like, he looks the part. He's 6'6", 270. Not, like, the most productive in terms of sack numbers, yeah. um, just 7.5 over the last two years. But that's in 16 games, and he was a force against the run before he got hurt. He had four sacks in four games, nine and a half TFLs. Uh, he's a guy who I know a lot of people on draft Twitter are pretty excited to get a better look at. Like, he fucked up Tulane. I remember that week, their, or their week one game, which was like week seven. <laughs> but, because uh, they had so many games canceled on them. But I'm pretty excited to see what he looks like uh, in Mobile. Oh, definitely. I was, I was just going to say, I saw a lot of hype for the acceptance on, on draft Twitter. Uh, I haven't personally dug in yet, but uh, he, he, for sure, really interesting guy. Assuming the Senior Bowl actually happens. And Jim says it will. What's your confidence meter at right now? Ten. Full, full confidence in Jim. Well, actually, that's... 
it's very dependent on if he takes the Lions GM job before or after. <laughs> okay, that that's enough uh, naggy talk. Uh, into Week 12 rookie superlatives. Let's start with the rookie quarterback rundown. We only had one real rookie quarterback play this week, which is the least since Week 1. Uh, obviously, Burrow's done for the year. Tua was out with an injury. Um, there was no like weird Jake Luton, Ben DiNucci game. We did get Kendall Hinton, and I'll get to him, but I'll let you start with Justin Herbert. You know who I kind of miss is David Blau, and I was especially thinking that on Thanksgiving. I just, I just miss watching him uh, play football. Don't, don't, he's going to start for Nagy when he's GM, so I don't know. Uh, don't worry. There you go, baby. All right. Uh, it's a player that's going to actually matter. Uh, Justin Herbert. Uh, I'm not really sure how to surmise this performance for, for Will Herbie. Um, first, I'll say... Herbert's going to be a very good quarterback in the NFL for a long time. I think that's clear now. Um, this game specifically, he felt like he's a special rookie, which he is. But he, he still, it was more rookie. Like there was a lot of ho- really high highs and a lot of lows. Um, to start at the end, as as some great films do, he he basically completed back to back hail marys. Um, only one of them counted, obviously. But he still made those plays. The, the the one that did count, he looked like Eli Manning in the Super Bowl, breaking a sack and rolling out. Um, <laughs> and then the plays that followed were just absolute fucking bungling of a goal line sequence where Herbert threw one right into the ground. Not in a good way, obviously. Um, then, then the quarterback sneak that knew, no one knew was coming, including his offensive line. It was a mess. But in, like, in totality of the game, I, I, it was just a lot of shorter throws. Um, I felt like he felt the pressure a little bit and made it like it was a lot of scrambly type of plays. Uh, the interception was really ugly. Like he stared down uh, Hunter Henry, double clutched the ball and just never saw Trey White hovering around and he undercut it. But as he does every week, Herbert is always making those third and fourth down throws that are like tight windows. And you're like, wow, he does something with his legs, makes a throw. It's always impressive. Um, so it's just like, I don't know, like if you're if you're one of the 17 Chargers fans, you feel bad about the game, but good about Herbert? I don't know. It's it's it was kind of a, a mucky performance. Um, and I think we're at the point where like you fire Anthony Lynn if you have a hire you feel really really good about, and most importantly, it's going to continue to develop Justin Herbert. Like, I know it's been extremely ugly at times for Anthony Lynn, especially this week, but building on this awesome rookie season of Justin Herbert is so much more important to the long term success of the Los Angeles Chargers than stupid fucking clock management decisions so it's like but but hey 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 yeah. I, at this point i don't know how you justify keeping anthony lynn because it's time after time yeah I, get, I, like for sure that was pathetic that was some of the worst clock management i've ever seen i totally agree, like i get what you're saying is if you have to go six and ten for another year just to develop justin herbert with the by keeping everyone uh the same around him and and uh Shane Steichen's done a really good job with them, obviously, and, and Pat Hamilton has done a great job as yeah. their quarterback coach. Um, I do get that, but if that means, like, there's some interesting head coaching candidates on the offensive side of the ball this For year. For sure, yeah. Like, if, I, I guess it's dependent on how, like, how strongly you feel um, if you're t- Tom uh, Telesco. Hiring a Joe Brady or an Eric Bieniemy, if you can get him, which I don't know if they they could. But the the other thing is, the Chargers' job's got to be a better looking job than a lot of other options because you know you're getting a year two of this quarterback who has shown everything that 
that you want to see. Um, he's having the greatest rookie quarterback season I think ever. Looks like a future top 10 quarterback, if not already. And just jump into the other side of the ball. Joey Bosa was a fucking monster in this game. Yeah. You have two building blocks on each side of the ball. You also have to keep in mind, you have Derwin James coming back off injury. Um, you have Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry. You have pieces all around. Like there, there's. I gotta think this is one of the most appetizing jobs for a, a uh, offensive genius type head coach. Definitely, and you add in it's Los Angeles. You got a brand new stadium, and like everything about it is just really appealing. Um, now the question is: is is the one keeping one thing keeping you away is that the Chargers are cursed? But I don't know. Yeah, like that. That's what I mean. If you got the right hire, I have absolutely no problem firing Anthony Lynn because, like we talked about, it, it's been bad. But I like I I don't know. I just don't want them going out and hiring some defensive guy and like, oh, we got to get this franchise on track and go nine and seven. And then Herbert, you know, starts to unravel a bit. Like, not saying I think he will, but uh, you know, that's what you gotta you gotta fear. Because we've seen, we've seen rookies have really good first seasons at quarterback and have fallen apart. So, it's a his it's a is tr- different than Baker Mayfield's. His season is different than Baker Mayfield's. I agree. I, I'm assuming that's who, who you're generally thinking of, and I, I know you agree. And I, I think the the funny thing is, you talked about this game, and, and you weren't hard on Justin Herbert by any means. But obviously, it was probably what one of his either his second or worst game. Bottom two um, game. The Bills Bottom did a, two game for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and the Bills did a really good job against them. And when you think about it in the context of it was a rookie against a playoff team, it actually wasn't that bad of a game. Mm-hmm. Like that's just how good he is being. He has set the bar so high. Um, if you could hire anyone as head coach, if you if you're the GM of the LA Chargers, and, and don't worry, AJ, I know you would never take that job, but if you were, who who would be the number one uh, coaching candidate on your list? God, um, it's hard not to say Joe Brady. I keep going to the Joe Brady well, and I sound like a broken record, but it's hard not to say him right now. It's just because you don't want someone else to get him. That's true. Like he's so young, and you just—it feels inevitable that he's going to be a head coach at worst in two years. And also, you—you um, you can if you watch those Carolina Panthers te- games and you look at the offense, you can just picture Justin Herbert uh, in Teddy Bridgewater's spot and doing everything Teddy can, obviously plus 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 a lot. So. Cause he, yes, there's a lot of the great vertical passing and and the crossing routes and those the, Herbert's already showed that he's he's a killer on both of those. So, plus you add in the athleticism, Herbert's a better athlete than Bridgewater, and and it, it's just like this could easily work. And uh, I I mean, all can the I pitch P- you on something? Sorry, can I pitch you on something? Please. Would you? I know we've talked about it before. And this is uh, outside of just the Chargers hiring. Um, if, if we've talked about how in today's NFL, it almost feels not smart to hire the defensive guys or head coach, although yeah. we're seeing it work out, obviously, with Brian Flores and, and obviously Belichick's defensive guy, Mike Tomlin's defensive guy. But just in recent history, um, it, 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 it seems smarter to go offense. Would you, like... I, I'm very much in on Robert Sala as a head coach, especially if he can poach McDaniel or LaFleur as his offensive coordinator from Shanahan's staff. Mm-hmm. Um, I, this is not just applying to the Chargers, but would you feel good hiring 
Salah with one of those guys as an OC? Uh, I guess like 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 you go back to Flores, who's he, really the only recent defensive head coach that's had success. You're gonna have a wrong, wrong, wrong. Vic Romeo Cornell with the Texans <laughs> and Raheem Morris with the Falcons. Okay, well they, neither of them were hired to be head coaches. Um. Uh well, okay, but they will be in a year. <laughs> um, you got. I think it's gotta be more that CEO type defensive head coach, and like, I I think. Obviously, Brian Flores isn't just that, but he is that as well, right? Like, it's he's clearly a defensive. And I think Salah is too, though. I think Salah is too. I think I do. I I'm not disagreeing. I'm not ready to stake the Brian Flores title on Robert Salah, but I do think he deserves to get a look. Like he, like when I'm seeing like fucking Dennis Allen up for a head coaching job, <laughs> like I, that 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 makes me question things. Like, if Dennis Allen ends up a head coach and Robert Sala doesn't, yeah, that, that feels a little backwards, right? Agreed, agreed. Um, I, I know, like, the, the Lions are looking at Salah, and I think that might be a, a better fit. I don't know. Maybe I just don't want Herbert to, to not be beautiful. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I get you. I feel you. I hope Robert Sala, Joe Brady, both end up head coaches somewhere. Because I think both of them... Are going to be a lot of fun as head coaches. How about how about Dable with with also, Herbert? I was about to say Dable. I was about to say Byron Leftwich. Both be really fun for sure. Yeah, uh, Byron Leftwich feels like maybe a year or two further away than those uh, other guys. Agreed, and maybe um, maybe he'd rather just hang around. Like even like if he gets an offer, maybe he's hang around a little yeah. longer to, anyways. But yeah, no agree. Uh, I think I I I think the ultimate plan is he'll be the the head coach and waiting in Tampa. Exactly. Yeah. This we went way off on the tangent. That's my fault. I just love coaching talk. Uh, by the way, congrats to Will Hall taking over as Southern Meth- uh, Southern Misses head coach. I congrats, know that was, Will. that was big for you, Asia. Go go yeah. Green Wave. So anyway, uh, we've 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 talked enough about that. Let's talk. Uh, let's talk about the other AFC West uh, rookie quarterback. Actually, made his debut this week for the Denver Broncos. Um, former Wake Forest. A thousand yard wide receiver, Kendall Hinton, who uh, he went one for nine for thirteen yards with two picks against the Saints in probably the worst situation any team has ever put their uh, their quarterback in. Uh, nice screen throw to, to Noah Fanto, Rob. That's my big breakdown. <laughs> my, my 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 main takeaway is is Pat Shermer stupid? Yes. Like what was the their play calling was so bad terrible like they yeah. didn't let him they didn't give him easy throws they were like pushing the like i know he only threw nine passes but there was like times they're like pushing the ball downfield this guy hasn't played quarterback in multiple years he was a essentially a backup part-time starter at wake for like two years before he became a, a star slot there although uh the social media posts saying he hadn't been tackled in two years that was strange um, I told you, he scored a touchdown a every play. Very much a starting wide receiver last year in the ACC. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I more put this as a joke. Uh, not Kendall Hinn's fault. I feel so bad for him. Um, but I'm glad he now has proven every fucking asshole <laughs> on their couch wrong that they think they could play in the NFL. Like, I, I totally feel bad for Kendall Hinton, but, like, also it's kind of cool that he, he got to start. Well, actually, technically, they didn't even get to start. That kind of sucks. But he got to play <laughs> – they should have let him start, first of all. That's another slap in the face. But 
he got to play quarterback in the NFL. That's that's pretty fucking cool. So I mean, I'm I'm up. Like, Congrats to you, Kendall. Yeah, but good work, Kendall. You're you're a favorite player now. Um. Okay, let's jump into offensive rookie of the week. Who you got? Uh, I, I, I'm gonna save. Uh, I'm gonna save mine for primetime star, but I'm, so I'm gonna audible off the top. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go with Justin Jefferson. Who, I mean, what? Seven catches, seventy yards, two touchdowns. And what would be a big game for a lot of wide receivers? Period. Let alone rookies. It's just almost ho hum for Justin Jefferson now. Like, like, like you, it's, I don't even know like how many people talked about this performance. It's just like first touchdown was just an easy little yeah. little post on the goal line. Wasn't flashy, but he ran it perfectly. Great acceleration in and out of the cut. Second touchdown, he caught it short of the goal line. Uh, outmuscled the defender, got into the end zone. It's just like, he's so damn good, but it's like, it's almost like he just gets overlooked because he is so damn good already. Yeah, he, uh, he, he is a freak of nature. Um, I mean, the the his red running ability is what's made the difference. I think he just I guess it's the fact that like you, you kind of alluded to, it, it's just, he's so consistent that him having seventy yards and two TDs almost expected now. Yeah. Um, and, and it's funny because this was a week where a lot of the other top rookie receivers struggled. Like, yeah, exactly. And I'll get to it in a bit, but like like we saw it with CD Lamb, we saw it with Chase Claypool, like. Jalen Rager did not play very well. Like, guys like that. And here's Justin Jefferson just absolutely dominating. I mean, poor Jerry Judy didn't didn't <laughs> get a catch, but that's for other reasons. Um, but, like, it's he's he's arrived. He's going to at least be considered, I think, as a, to, a, to, a potential top 10 receiver next year. Very much. And he already feels so much like a vet, like, especially in the route run. You, you just watch him. Like, play in, play out, and if you just focus on him, it, he doesn't feel like a rookie out there at all. I think I think it was one of your tweets that was that really pointed out something that kind of um, stuck with me. It was, obviously, coming out of LSU, there was some questions about his speed. He ended up running a good 40, so it didn't actually really matter. Yeah. Um, he's obviously not nearly as straight-line speed explosive as a, as a guy like Henry Ruggs or Jalen Rager, but it's the fact that he just carries the speed through the routes. Um, there isn't – he doesn't – like, that. that's a – I think a piece to route running that maybe is forgotten about is the ability to keep speed through your route, through the break. Like, everything stays on time, and that alone can help create separation. It's little things like that, like the way he stems, the way he stems to create separation, um, the way he sinks his hips and explodes throughout. Yeah. It's all the little things, and that's that's what makes him such an elite pass catcher already. That's absolutely well put, Rob. Yes, I am a genius. I am a route running god. Um, my offensive rookie of the week is, is Tristan Wirfs. I can't pick. not. Watch him. I can't not watch him when I watch Tampa because I mean everything else is going wrong. It seems on that offense, but Tristan Wirfs is, I think, making a push to be a top ten offensive. Top. Like he should go to the Pro Bowl this year. He's the best offensive lineman on that team. He was throwing people. Um, Donovan Smith on, on the other side is already like his contract's ridiculous, and it looks even worse now seeing how immediately elite Tristan Wirfs is. Just. It's his balance, I think, that has really been the biggest thing to make him such an impact offensive tackle right away. Is he? Uh, he? He? Even when he, he like, let's say he oversets, 
he can get himself back to his spot. Yeah. And that's an underrated little part of, I think, being a, a pass block or pass pro in, in the NFL is keeping your balance, being able to work when you, when you go the wrong way, when something happens, like, cause you're a 320 pound man blocking a 260 pound guy who runs a fucking four or five with a under a seven, three cone and just absolutely violent hands. It's, there's so much keeping everything on time as an offensive lineman, keeping your feet and hands in unison. He does it so well. And he's also an elite athlete. Um, and he plays with that just that glass eating edge. I'm in love with him. He was throwing Chiefs pass rushers, and in the run game, he's just a people mover. I, I think he's a franchise tackle, and, and I, I mean, it seems like Mackay Becton and Jedrick Wills are as well. So it, what? What a class! It's funny that you you brought this up because definitely Tristan Wirfs deserves this. And I was going to mention. Well, I'm going to mention Becton, and I was just going to tag on uh, about Wirfs and Wills, saying like. As, honestly, especially Wir- uh, Wills. Like, like Wirfs, I think, is getting the attention and 100% deservedly so. And it's almost like we don't talk about Jedrick Wills enough because, like you just said, he looks like a franchise yeah. tackle as well. No, it's so true. I think it's because when, when we when, – well, when anyone really talks Cleveland at this point, it's a lot of just Nick Chubb mm-hmm. in the offensive line as a whole, and not Baker Sox, individuals. Yeah. Yeah, whereas Wirfs and Becton are, well, less so for Wirfs. Becton's the only player on the Jets' <laughs> offense worth watching, and then with Wirfs, he's just already the best offensive lineman on on a team that is Tom Brady. So those guys are talked about a little bit more than Jedrick Wills when that whole offensive line's been playing exactly. such great football. I mean, why why Teller stud? <laughs> yes. Uh, okay, who's your defensive rookie of the week? Actually, can I just add? I was looking to overnight sports talk, and they were doing like a calling in and saying the best trio you can make on NFL uh, teams on, on, on offices, you know, as the, the triplet game. <laughs> I swear right. to God, one, one guy came called in from Cleveland, and he added Wyatt Teller to, like, the, the Cleveland trio. <laughs> it made me so happy. <laughs> this is, like, 3 a.m. That's that's such a Cleveland move. I loved it. Um, defense of the Rookie of the Week. Uh, hey, usually I say it's Slim Pickens. This week it was a really easy one because Jeremy Chin had two touchdowns. So kind of hard to not pick him. Uh, back-to-back touchdowns, both scoop and score uh, fumble recoveries. Uh, the first one kind of right place, right time, where it was easy, scooped it, housed it, no big deal. Uh, the second touchdown, he ripped the ball out of Cook's hands in a scrum and then finished the job. It was really impressive. And they happened literally back-to-back possessions, so it was really cool. On top of that, 13 tackles, that's, that's big time. Uh, it had a hit on Kirk. And I, I thought he looked pretty nice in coverage too, so it wasn't even just the big, flashy plays. It was play in, play out, consistent, good football from Jeremy Chin. And we've seen that from, from him all year, obviously, with the flash he plays on, on top. Um, Chin is right there in the defensive rookie of the year race. Yeah. Um, it, it Well, it's not super clear. Like, offense is just Herbert versus Jefferson at this point. Defense is, again, not super clear. I think it's, it's like, Chin is clearly a top three candidate. Um, I'm going with Chase Young for my defensive rookie of the week. I think he's very much still in it. Yep. Uh, he looked great against the Cowboys. Um, maybe not talked about as much because they just ended up running through Dallas. Uh, but he constant pressure came in with the sack, looked really good, sitting in the edge and ensuring out run plays. They, they the the Washington defense is underrated. As a Steelers fan, I'm a little worried on a short week playing Washington. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, Chase Young, I, I get that he isn't having the dominant season. I think I've, I talked about this last week even that Nick Nick Bosa has ha- had as a rookie. But I, I don't think you could ask for much more from a rookie defensive lineman than what Chase Young has given them. Um, he he looks like he's a future All Pro. I mean, like I get like four and a half sacks in ten games is not going to blow you away. But when you watch it, he's impacting so much, and it's sure. not just as a pass rusher. He is going to be, I think, one of the best run defending uh, edges in the league. He he's a cornerstone, and, and on a defensive line where like Jerron Payne's a dude, and Montez Sweat really <laughs> is oh, an yeah. impactful player. Oh yeah, like, he's got what like eight sacks or something like that now. If if Washington can get a quarterback and and really start to build that offense, like they've got a chance to be winning the NFC East in a year. I mean, technically, they've got a chance this year. So <laughs> They might win it this year, exactly. Um, the sacks are going to come for Chase Young. Uh, I've got no doubt about that. So, like, uh, as I kind of alluded to in, in our Instagram post, by the way, follow at 7 Rounds in Heaven on Instagram and Twitter. Um, Sick plug. <laughs> like, I, I just wanted people to sit down and pay attention to Chase Young because all the, all the hot take people, not even hot take, all the box score scouts like to go in and look and say he's got a couple sacks on the year and that's it. I hope they sat down with their turkey and watched them because uh, this was a great game. Like, just appreciate him and the sacks are going to come. You can you can definitely see it. Um, who who if if the season ended today, who would be your defensive rookie of the year? I know it's a tough question because again, it's not super clear. But who would you pick? Uh, Jeremy Chin right now, but that that's that's also recency I, I bias. I think so too. Yeah, and and he's been but, like one of my favorites from the start too. But he, outside of like one game, he hasn't had a bad game. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. The the Bucks game. And that was coming off the injury. Yeah. Yeah, and that was coming off the injury. Exactly. So, I don't know. Uh, I I think I think he has meant more to the Panthers' defense, maybe game to game, than any other defensive rookie, and that's kind of what separates it. Agreed. Yeah. On a defense that, that has um, a lot of rookies playing. Correct. Uh, speaking of, we have not talked about Derek Brown in a while. Anyway. Um, <laughs> we haven't. Who, who, who's the worst rookie this week for you? This one's not really fair from me, I'm going to be honest. Um, it's more it's so... Kendall Hinton. Yep, Kendall <laughs> Imagine if I did that. It's such a dick move. Uh, <laughs> this one was more like a worst game plan and more of an underra- uh, underwhelming performance. I put Antoine Winfield Jr. I, I know if you put it at the scope of himself, it wasn't that bad. But, like, watching him standing, like, stagnant in the middle of the field while Mahomes was just slaying it to Tyreek Hill, it just wasn't it wasn't a pretty sight. Like, I, I don't know. Like, he couldn't really make the plays. Like, it's, it's asking a lot. But, like, having Davis cover Hill all game with little help was silly. But it just wasn't a good look seeing Winfield like late to react with all these balls sailing down the field or just like, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to, to really ding him. I know I am, but like, it just it was just such a shit game plan from Tampa. And then like they fixed it a bit in the second half, but the game was they didn't yeah. really have a shot of coming back. It's over. If they just, I don't know. I, did they just not expect them to attack deep? That doesn't make sense. Like I don't know, man. It kind of. I, I I'm not like I'm not upset about it, but I just wanted Winfield to go out there and like have a spectacular game. So I'm just it's more of an underwhelming, but but still. 
No, I think that's fair. Uh, I'm kind of same boat as you, where I didn't have a extremely blatant like this guy was a complete liability Ricky on uh, this week, but but I did I did go with Isaiah Simmons who, coming off that big game, you're hoping to see him kind of build on it, mm-hmm. um, against that kind of Patriots heavy set run run uh run running attack, they they kind of played him less than I. Th- think they would have if it was against a different type of offense like it was a lot of Devondre Campbell at times uh, kind of a consistent rotation between the two of them he only ended up playing about 30% of the snaps um, and it was a, a lot more as a, just for his blitzing like yeah. uh, which again I think is a really smart way to get him involved Vance Joseph has done a really good job um, kind of deploying him as a as a blitz specific player but he took a bad penalty, and he was getting washed uh, by by um, Wyman. And he's he's really struggling to stack and shed blocks and, and read keys and, and make an impact as a run defender. And that's going to be ultimately what I think keeps him off the field. And that's why Devondre Campbell, ended up, they just trust Devondre Campbell more uh, as a interior player, as mm-hmm. like defending the run and... And so it, it, I guess it was just kind of a letdown because I was hoping to see another big game just building up that Seahawks, uh, that Seahawks game. And yeah, his snap catch just dropped so much. And uh, yeah, so that that is that. Um, Can I, I'm I thinking oh, we. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Finish your, finish your thought. Oh, I was just moving on. So you go no, ahead. I'm going to. I don't know if this is the time for it, but I wanted to bring it up because I, I noticed something funny. Uh, but. <laughs> For the Patriots, uh, the, the two picks directly before Michael and Wenyu in the sixth round at the top, it's kind of funny looking back. The, the Bengals took Akeem Adeniji, and then the Broncos took uh, Nathani Muti, who I, bo- I bet they both wish they could have had it back and took in Wenyu. I don't know why I'm adding that now, but it just kind of kind of sucks for them. <laughs> You're just This is the only thing Michigan fans have to flex these days. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> Um, okay, I'm, I'm betting we both have the same primetime star from the the afternoon Thanksgiving game, AJ. We, Am I we guessing do. right? We do, Rob. And to, in, Antonio Gibson, he, he was the gobbler or whatever they call it. <laughs> uh, ran for 115 yards, three touchdowns against Dallas. He looked fantastic. He is, I think the thing about him is he's such an athletic twitched up freak that you forget how big he is yeah what he's a, massive for a running back what is he's uh was he six two two he, he's six two two twenty yeah that's silly and uh just bouncing off tackles and you saw you saw that burst in the open field and he is i mean if you were to look at who the best rookie running backs are this year it, it he's in the top three for sure right uh yeah right like, now the, the I, man I, the sorry it's Gibson the man has Swift, 11 right? rushing touchdowns. The man yeah. has 11 rushing. Oh, it's not James. I thought it was James Robinson, but I guess not. And James Robinson, my king. James Robinson has been the best rookie running back. Correct. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and then Gibson and Swift, I think that's definitely the top three. And uh, what a dude. That's why I think they're a quarterback away from being a really, really interesting, fun team. They're fun to watch. No, definitely. I, I hope they get that quarterback in the draft. And then just off as a line pieces, and that's it. Because, like, even like you mentioned, the, we know the front seven is loaded, but that the, the back half of that defense has been playing awesome this year too. Yeah, no, like, they've done a 
good job. Like, well, it's, I think it's the Ron Rivera effect and getting yes. rid of Allen, and they're finally turning things around a little bit, and uh, things are training up. I like Washington. I like their colors, and I hope they just stay the football team. <laughs> I don't. I, I'm still not sure how I feel. I definitely like their colors. I agree with you. But I don't know if they should pick a name or just steal, stay the football team. If they make the playoffs, they should stay it, the football it, team. It totally depends on what name they pick. Yeah, I mean, I, I have very like, low expectations, so, yeah. Uh, okay, who? Uh, speaking of low expectations, underwhelming oh, performance. Well done. Uh, I'm, sti- I'm sticking in the same game. I'm going with C.D. Lamb, and it's like, I don't know. It, yeah. it wasn't that bad, but five catches, 20 yards, had the, the drop in the end zone. Um, it was yeah, just like selfishly. That's what stands out. Yeah, exactly. That play, and then selfishly, I wanted to see Lamb put on a show on Thanksgiving. So, it, 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 like again, the, the Cowboys were shit, yeah. but but I don't know. I wanted more. I, I put I put him for needs to step it up just because there's not a whole lot going right in Dallas, and he's yeah. been one of the few things that, ha- that has gone right this season. And you just hope it is so sad that they have him, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and it's just all going to waste. Um, and especially with how great that offense was with Dak healthy early in the season, they're on pace to break records, man. And then it's just, uh, it's just falling apart. And Zeke's not even the best running back on the team anymore. That's that's correct. Memphis running back, you baby. Uh, I'm gonna go with another uh, rookie wide receiver who was actually supposed to play on Thanksgiving, but got to play on Wednesday. Chase Claypool. Uh, six for fifty-two against Baltimore, but that wide receiver core as a whole was dropping yeah. absolutely everything. Um, now, part of it, it with Claypool is Ben Roethlisberger's deep ball is not very good. It's not what it <laughs> used to be, and, and you you see them take at, like at least once a game a deep shot to Claypool, and, and he they did it early against Baltimore, and he had a step, and the ball was underthrown. He still should have caught it, but the ball was underthrown. And I think it kind of threw him off a little bit. And it just, he can't be dropping those passes. But again, it's hard to just kill him when Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson was even worse. But uh, the opportunities seem to be there for that offense to produce much more than it did. And it's wide receivers kind of let down. No, I put him here as well. I I wasn't going to name him because I figured you were going to go there, but I put him down. And and yeah, like when you look at the stat sheet, it wasn't that, bad at all but no i I, to- I totally agree with you uh do you have anybody else because i put another one i, I put claypool but that's those are my two okay uh i put julian blackman he didn't look tremendous against the titans um got beat deep in coverage uh a couple times which is kind of slow to react uh now part part of that is the front seven could not stop Derrick Henry. Um, and it was just a bad game from everybody on the court, so it's hard to kill Julian Blackman. Uh, and, and I I mean, I'm not too stressed about it. I was just kind of sad because I've loved watching him play this year. No, that, I mean, that's fair, especially when he's been one of the best rookies in the league. Like, that's uh, that's an underwhelming performance. I Oh, that's another guy who I wouldn't mind seeing with Justin Herbert, though, Arthur Smith. Yeah, no, that would be interesting for sure. With Najee Harris, baby. Draft Najee Harris. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. Okay, who, who who looks like a hit? Uh, hey, you know who finally had his flashy game? Javon Kinlaw. So I got I had to give it to him because guess what? He had a pick six, <laughs> and it was just great eyes on the play. Uh, he ate up two blocks uh, off the bat, and then kind of backed off off the line. 
Uh, and then the rest of the front kind of just got the pressure because he ate two blocks. And then he sat there, made the catch, and housed it, which when he caught the ball, you would not have thought he's taking it to the house. It was, it was a nice run. Um, he also just looked really good against the run, working up and down the line of scrimmage, had a few tackles there, uh, had another pressure on Jared Goff. And interesting enough, you, you probably wouldn't have felt it if you watched the game. This was the least snaps he played all season, which kind of a curious thing when it was probably his most impactful game, I mean, easily. Um, so, like, it's kind of interesting that the, his, his most impactful performance came with the least opportunity. Maybe it lit a fire. I, I don't I don't know what to make of that exactly. But um, Kinlaw building off of this performance would be huge for the Niners. I mean, they're technically still in the, in the hunt for the playoffs. They're not dead yet. So um, we'll, no. we'll see. And just because great coach. He is a great coach. And the Rams, you know, also they, they play the rest of the division tough. So that's that's big for them. Um, I put Logan Wilson, who <laughs> yeah. wasn't a big stat-stuffing game or anything against the Giants, but he was flying around. He looked good when he was asked to cover. He had a big TFL where he shot a gap and looked fucking awesome. I think next year, week one, he will be their starting uh, Mike Linebacker, without a doubt. I, I think part of why he's kind of on a lower snap count right now is just Josh Bynes is a captain. Of course, Josh Bynes is a captain. Um, and, it, and he just knows the defense, and that's kind of what's kept yeah. Logan Wilson out of being a full-time starter. But I, I, I do think next year he, he's going to be the dude. I totally agree. And, I mean, we haven't talked about him in a couple of weeks, but uh, if you watch, like, the, the middle stretch of Bengals games, you saw a lot of flashes from Logan Wilson. Uh, and, and who looks like a miss for you? I'm kind of putting this one here because I, I already mentioned I wanted to talk about him. So this is kind of just to generate content, but I put Mackay Becton, all right? And not in a negative way at all, but in a negative way for me. He, he was technically my OT number four. I had him behind Andrew Thomas, so I'm not going to pat myself on the back there. I mean, he went 11th. I had him 13th that over sucks. on my board. I'm not too stupid, he but he's fantastic. So he's, he's fantastic. And it was just another game where he was absolutely rock solid in pass protection against the Dolphins. And that front has been getting pressure legit for a long time now. And he looks solid, and in the run game, uh, he was just mauling people as he always does. Um, and getting to the second level, bullying linebackers and defensive backs, it's just so impressive to see a man of that size, which there's not many men that size, and how well he moves at that size. It's amazing. And uh, you know what? I have another kind of interesting thing I noticed. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what to make of it either. Is um, When Becton doesn't have anyone pressure him immediately in pass protection – he kind of stands near the line of scrimmage and, like, waiting to pick up another rusher, even though you know there's no rusher coming. Now, I'm sure this is, like, intended by the coaches, but I think the Finns picked this up in um, in, in film study and exploited it a couple times because they just – sometimes they just didn't test Becton and pressure the rest of the line, and it worked. One time, Darnold, like, basically ran into Becton's ass. Um, so while it would be nice to see Becton a, a little more swivelly – Maybe maybe next year and like cleaning up the look mess for of the work. rest. Sorry, yeah, looking for work exactly, and cleaning up the mess of because the rest of the offensive line's a mess. It's also such a testament that uh, teams would just attack everywhere else except for him. <laughs> but but he was he was he was awesome. He was he was so good. Um, what was I gonna say, AJ? Oh, I was gonna tell you. I feel like we both missed on AJ Terrell because. AJ Terrell seems 
every week he seems to be getting a little bit better, a little yep. bit better, a little bit better. And against the Raiders, I thought he was really impressive. He's playing with a lot of swagger, a lot of energy. He is there, the Falcons' top corner. The Falcons' defense played a lot better under Ricky Morris. Uh, they shut down the Raiders' passing attack. He is super physical. He uh, he attacks the ball. He attacks the run. I ju- he just seems like a straight like he, he's giving me those early season Jalen Johnson vibes where it's just like uh, kind of straight business with him. Like he just seems so NFL ready all of a sudden, and uh, I I was very very impressed with his game. And I th- I think he was one of the best rookies this week. I actually debated between him and Chase Young for my defensive rookie of the week. That's how good I thought he played. It was kind of it's it's very strange because he missed what two or three we- weeks on the COVID list. And then since he came back from that, mm-hmm. which would have been around week seven-ish off the top of my head, uh, like you said, just keeps getting better and better and better. And it was like a big improvement in play because you watch the first couple weeks and it was like a matchup with DK Metcalf week one where he had like a flashy player too, but then he just getting cooked the rest of the time. And then it's just getting better every single week. And you're you're right. He's he's really turned around. And um, I, I know PFF is giving him credit. He's I think he's like top 20-ish for, for corner grades, but – uh, not, not oh, okay. too much, not yeah, not too much credit from from elsewhere. So I think that's a good point to bring up. Um, that Falcons defense in general, I was having a lot of fun watching them just freaking wreck the Raiders. Uh, they have like Deion Jones, obviously, a dude. Yeah, but like even though they they don't have a stud pass rusher, like the def- like on the edge, the the defense looked like Keanu Neal, healthy Keanu Neal is so fun. Like I said, AJ Terrell is awesome. Deion Jones is awesome. Uh, Foy is a dude. I'm yep. going to mention another Falcons linebacker in a little bit who happens to be a rookie. But, yeah, just really, really fun when things are going right for the Falcons because they have guys everywhere. Yeah, just I, never seems to work out. It's been what? Since they lost the Super Bowl, it's just injuries and uh... – and well, mainly injuries and just not all coming together for them. It's 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 they've been such a weird franchise the last half decade. You know what's been weird the last half decade, AJ? My pubes. That's why support for Seven Rounds in Heaven comes from Manscaped, who is the best men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Jingle balls to the walls, fellas. Listen up. Untrimmed pubes are a thing of the past. It's time to gear up and get yourself the gift of shaving this holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. This revolutionary company, Manscaped, has redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 3.0 has proprietary advanced skin safe technology, so this trimmer cuts your nuts on your nuts, not cuts them. Just like you can shave your balls with it, is what that means. It's also waterproof, so you can use it in the shower. The Lawnmower 3.0 comes inside their brand new Perfect Package 3.0, which makes for the perfect gift this holiday season. It's literally everything you need to keep trimmed, cut free, and smelling nice down there, opposed to untrimmed, full of cuts, and smelling bad down there. And don't use the same trimmer on your face as you're using on your balls. That's just nasty, and you'll get face crabs. The Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0 also includes the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant moisturizer. I don't leave the house without it. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting it on the smelliest part of your body? Your balls stink. Speaking of sweaty and sticky balls, I'm thankful for the Crop Reviver. This product, along with the Crop Preserver, keeps your balls from sweating, smelling, and sticking. It's kind of the best product they have, to be honest. My balls are always sticking. 
and not anymore. And these products smell good. Their manly scent is attractive and will help set the mood, if you know what I mean. The perfect package also comes with a pair of Manscaped boxers that will keep your junk feeling fresh all day. It's time to upgrade those overused pairs of boxers to Manscaped's high-performance anti-chafing boxers. Tis the season to Manscaped. So get yourself, your dad, your brother, your friends, your boss, the Manscaped Perfect Package 3.0. Maybe you don't get it for your boss. I don't know how that would go. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code armchair at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Also, you know who else will thank you? Your wallet. If you go to bet online, you just go online and you bet at bet online. Guess what? College football, college basketball, the NBA is going to start soon. We got a whole Christmas slate coming, baby. Bowl season, NFL playoffs. Oh, I'm getting turned on just thinking about it. So, go make Christmas gift money by betting online and use code armchair to take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. AJ, who needs to take advantage of their opportunity and step it up in this rookie class? Uh, to throw some cold water on you getting turned on, um, one, of your, one of both of our favorite first-round guys, uh, Jalen Rager, who, I mean, yeah, the mm. team is a disaster. Yes, Carson Wentz stinks like like non manscaped balls, but but he was, but Jalen Rager was a first round pick, right? Like his team is desperate for playmakers. Uh, you look at what we alluded to; the, the rest of his fellow first round rookies are doing. I mean, Ceedee Lamb quieter this week, but a lot of them are have been amazing. Like he needs to start. They've at least things. had a game. It, it, exactly, Ern <laughs> uh, looked good, and Rager hasn't had a game or really looked good. I mean, he's been banged up, but still, like he needs to start making things happen. This is what three catches, eleven yards. On seven targets, um, not really any drops, but the targets were bad. But still, um, with with Eagles still in that NFC's race, the worst race in history, um, he needs to start providing a spark for 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 that offense. And I mean, I I put him on I put him on not ready to play just because he just didn't seem in sync with Carson Wentz at all. He I I'm pretty sure he ran the wrong route one time. Yeah, on, on the screen interception. Pass. Yeah. Yes. That's kind of what made me think he's not ready to play is he's not running the right routes. Yeah. And, and he's a guy who we know has the athleticism, the speed to be a game-breaker for them. But you haven't seen it at all. You haven't even seen flashes since week one of it. And the other thing is, personally, I loved his ability as a yak player coming out of TCU. Yeah. You haven't seen that either. He's not breaking tackles. He's not making any special plays. Um, when a lot of these other rookies are at least having moments, and he hasn't even had a moment. And on top of it all, Justin Jefferson was the very next pick. So You love telling us who the picks are, right? I do. I always do. My two favorite things are telling you who the next pick was and uh, tracking uh, trades and figuring out who the hell these draft picks actually became. That's why, you, that's why this works, because I don't like learning things like that. <laughs> or taking the time. I like learning them. I don't like taking the time to find them out on my own. That's why I use you. It's just Wikipedia holes. That's all you got to fall down into. Uh, I put C.D. Lamb for this. I also put Jalen Johnson, who's been not the same guy that yeah. – not that he's playing. He's like he's not getting torched or anything, but he has not been the same guy. We saw those first couple weeks where it looked like he might be a Pro Bowl rookie, a defensive rookie of the year type guy. He's struggled more – I think more and more as the weeks go on, maybe hitting that rookie wall a little bit. He struggled against the Packers. 
and, and for this Bears team to be competitive, their defense needs to be at its absolute best, and that's why I think he's kind of it's hard to kill him because he was playing at such a high level. It's hard to kill him for kind of taking a step back and hitting that rookie wall, but they do need him to step it up. No, that's fair, and I think the Bears' defense as a whole has kind of been slipping a bit, and uh, I, I do think you're right, though. It, it's it, it's like it's it's the reverse AJ Terrell. Maybe AJ Terrell is zapping his powers because it's each week he's kind of taking a little step back and back. And like you said, it's they, they're not a bad game, and like Devonte Adams is maybe the toughest matchup in all of football right now. So it, it's not like it's brutal, but um, you're definitely right. You're definitely right. When am I wrong? Uh, who's not ready to play? I said I got Jalen Rager here. So who you got? I got a, <laughs> I got a, a player that went a lot lower in the fifth round. Um, another one that it's not really fair, but Colton McKivitz got thrown in to start at right guard for the San Francisco 49ers. And as you can kind of anticipate, uh, Aaron Donald just absolutely ruined him. Um, hey, to, to give him some credit, because you know I like to always find the, the gem in the dark here, but he had his moments in the run game, which I guess is promising, but... Um, like he's not going to see Aaron Donald every week, but it was, it was ugly, man. It was like at least five times in pass pro where Donald just won, like before Mullins could even get the snap or, or get two steps into his drop. It was just instant victories and it's not fair for him, but Hey, I, I put him, I put him here and, uh, hopefully he can, uh, get not a hall of famer next week and, uh, put more together in the run game. Like he kind of flashed. Uh, okay, jumping to best day three rookie. I alluded to this earlier. I put Mikael Walker as one of. I put three of them, but I I put Mikael Walker, who I don't think he made a tackle in the game, but he just brings so much energy. He play he he's the third starting linebacker, so he plays like I don't know thirty thirty five percent of the snaps, but he yeah brings a ton of energy. Look good in coverage, flying around the field, and he kind of fits the same mold. As, as Deion Jones and as Foy, where not the biggest linebacker in the world, but kind of a psychopath with his energy and such an explosive dude. And I, I just think the Falcons have a type at linebacker, and he is he's fit well as that third guy for them. Yeah, you know what? I, I liked him before the draft. Uh, I, then I even thought he went too high. They took him in the fourth round, if I remember correctly. Uh, but he's yeah. been he's been like quietly good all season. Just like Foy was last year. There you go. Uh, who, who you got here? I, I got two. My first one I'll go with uh, one guy I've really enjoyed all year, Gabe Davis, who was another three-catch, 79-yard touchdown performance. Uh, the touchdown was easy. <laughs> it, was a, it was a sweet trick play where Cole Beasley threw him the touchdown. But then he had a, an awesome 44-yard catch down the sideline where he just went up and plucked the ball over a defender. Uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say he mossed him, but he, he went up and it was awesome. Uh, and then his other catch, only three again, uh, was just a nice chain mover on a little comeback route. And I'm I'm just excited to see Gabe Davis get a full, hopefully normal offseason in Buffalo and see how his role expands there. Because I, I think I think we'll see him secure that, that third receiver slot uh, spot, getting down, becoming like a real downfield threat. Like, I think Gabe Davis could be a real, real interesting guy to keep your eye on. And he's been really good as a rookie. You love UCF. I do. Well, guess what, AJ? I love Louisiana. So my other two uh, best day three rookies are Bears rookie receiver, Darnell Mooney, uh, and Chiefs corner, Legereus Sneed, both from schools in Louisiana. Wow. Well done. 
Mooney, I think, will be putting up such good numbers if he was literally with any <laughs> other quarterback. Yeah. Uh, and, and Snead's a guy who, who we talked about early in the season. He looked really good, and then he got hurt. And now he's back, and he, he's he's playing meaningful snaps. And I, I think he's going to be uh, a starter for the Chiefs for a while. He's a very good athlete, and he's just always around the football. Yeah, I know for sure. And what, he had two picks in his first two games before getting hurt, right, if I remember correctly? Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, hey. This one's going to make you happy, Rob. Uh, you know who had their best game of the year? Troy Pride, Barry, baby, the bear man himself. He only gave up one catch on four targets. Uh, had had one pass deflection officially, but he made a play on another one. And just like in constantly good uh, positioning for for the Panthers against that Vikings passing offense that usually finds some nice stuff. And all the Jefferson plays and BC Johnson, BC Johnson in this game, plays were, were just not really going uh, Pride's way. It was a quiet good performance and pride's been pretty yeah this year so uh, that's just really promising for him okay i'm gonna let you tell me your confidence level on if you will know who my best undrafted rookie is when i name him like if you have ever even heard of him oh oh if i've ever heard of him uh yeah 70 and here comes the train uh the confidence train okay i'm boosting my number up I'm going 80 I'm 80% sure I'm going to know him. Okay. Uh Nico Lalos. Oh wow, I was I was too high. I have no idea who that is. <laughs> yeah. I, <laughs> it's cuz I didn't know who he was until he intercepted Brandon Allen. <laughs> um rookie undrafted rookie of Dartmouth. Uh actually went to the same high school as LeBron James. 65270. And intercepted Brandon Allen. And I was like, who is this guy? He's moving well. Look how big he is. And uh, I found out I had no idea who he was. But he was an all-Ivy League selection at Dartmouth. Went to St. Vincent St. Mary in Akron. And um, the, the, I don't know. He's part of the reason the Giants are in first in the NFC. So he is my <laughs> best undrafted rookie. <laughs> uh, what's your confidence meter that you're going to guess who my best UDFA rookie is? Oh, he did. Sorry, I'm just reading his bio right now. He declined MAC scholarships to play at Dartmouth and preferred walk-on options with Ohio State and Notre Dame. Oh, okay. Okay, so I am. Cool. Yeah, I'm. I am seventy-five percent sure I know who your undrafted rookie is. Oh wait, no, it's James Robinson. I'm a hundred percent. Of course, it's James Robinson. Who? Uh, fuck, man. Uh, 128 yards. Uh, five catches, 38 yards, a touchdown uh, on the ground. He, I, I don't even know what to say about him anymore. He's everything you want in a running back. All right. Firstly and foremostly, that's not a word I know, but it doesn't matter. Uh, he didn't cost any draft capital. That's great. Uh, he never has negative runs, and he turns negative plays into positive plays constantly. He's consistently breaks first contact. And he can catch the football. What more can you ask for? Maybe he's not the guy that turns, you know, eight-yard runs into 20-yard runs, but he's the guy that's turning two-yard runs into eight-yard runs, and that might be more important in today's NFL. So <laughs> I love James Robinson. You're right. I, I can't believe I kind of blanked on him earlier. <laughs> but he, he's, he's, he's the king. He's the king. I, I, I keep trying to figure out who he reminds me of, and I can't put my finger on it yet. He reminds me of Jim Brown. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking Walter Payton to be honest, but you know that, that's a good one too. Thank you. Uh, no, he is he is a joy. It's uh, I love when undrafted running backs are sick. 
It's my favorite thing in the world. I know it is. I love it too. Um, my oh, I, I'll give you two rookies who flashed. One T Higgins, who I thought was going to disappear with Brandon yeah. Allen at quarterback, but he he ended up being the Bengals' best outside threat. Caught a touchdown. Um, it kind of only just confirmed to me once again that this guy's going to be very good with Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Uh, him and Tyler Boyd, I think, are, are great with each other. Uh, and then I thought Andrew Thomas, same game. I thought Andrew Thomas had his best game I'd seen maybe of the season. Good. Um, I like to hear that. I mean, hey, Mark Colombo's gone, and look what happens. I don't know. I don't know if there's a correlation there, but uh, – he, he, he just looked very stable. Wasn't, like, amazing or anything, but handled Carl Lawson really, really well. And, and Carl Lawson's a, a not, like, an elite pass rusher, but a good pass rusher. He, he handled him well. He, he did a really good job against Carl Lawson's hands. He kept everything on time. His feet, his, his, when he, shoot, he, he wasn't shooting his hands early, he wasn't coming late. Everything seemed to be on time. He was getting to his landmarks. And there was, there was times where he got a little bit longy, but for the most part, I thought it was a really solid game. You know what it is? These games matter now for the Giants. So Andrew Thomas is turning it up, baby. Yeah, he's used to playing at Georgia where games always really mattered. Exactly. Um, I'll give you two receivers and a defender. Uh, I know we do it a lot, but I, I'm still impressed by Denzel Mims. Like Another one where he just had a nice catch on an in route in traffic. Uh, a really interesting one where he uh, he looked like it was just a little short hitch. But then he kind of like felt the space and adjusted to, to break in, or Darnold just put it there. I'm not sure. It was it was kind of a really neat little throw, um, and just a really impressive hands catch, like kind of around a defender, and then big yak on that. And it was on the third and nine, got about I think he got 30 yards there. Um, nearly picked up another third and 16. Uh, got called for offensive pass interference, but in general, really promising. And I know we've talked about him since he's been back, like almost consi- almost consistently here, but. Um, the Jets got to feel really good about what they're seeing from Denzel Mims. Um, <clears throat> the other receiver, how about Colin Johnson for the Jags, who had a big game, four catches, 96 yards, a touchdown. The touchdown was pretty sweet. It was just a nice catch and run on a crossing route. And just like every time he touched the ball, he, he looked good. And early in the season, he was just more of the, uh, like they're giving him some red zone looks and let him be a catch, uh, you know, a jump ball type of guy. And it was a little hit and miss. Sometimes he looked good. Sometimes it wasn't working. Um, and now it, with a, with a couple of receivers going down, um, Chris Conley and such, and uh, he got more playing time, and he looked looked pretty good. And Mike Lennon is not that bad. <laughs> uh, okay, for out of nowhere, Ruck, I'm going with – he's not out of nowhere, but I just wasn't expecting it, so I'm counting it. Uh, Adam Troutman, uh, and it wasn't as a pass catcher. Just got one pass for eight yards. Taysom Hill looked – just horrible this game was not fun for me at all i i picked it when we were picking games thinking it'd be hilarious it wasn't it was just horrible but the saints ran for 229 yards on the ground adam trumman looked phenomenal as a blocker like like he's going to be one of the best blocking tight ends in the the league which i was like i wasn't expecting him to be that dominant as a as a run blocker um but yeah, he uh, again. He just looked great. He played. He played sixty one percent of snaps. They were going a lot of heavy uh, because their quarterback is a wide receiver or maybe a running back, um, <laughs> just like the Broncos. Uh, but yeah, no, I just I, I was very pleased, and I think 
like Jared Cook has been very inconsistent this year. Yeah. So I think maybe ne- next year becomes the Troutman show as Jared Cook ages. People forget Jared Cook's like very old. Yes. <laughs> I'll give you two that also aren't really the most out of nowhere. Uh, one you brought up last week, Bryce Hall. I thought he had a big bounce get back game against uh, Devontae Parker. It was a really physical battle, to be honest. Uh, he lost a few, but he looked pretty good. Like, he definitely wasn't getting out physical by Parker. Had a nice PBU, uh, six tackles. So, like, even when Parker was making the grabs, Hall was, like, right there, nearly making a play on the on the ball and then making the tackle if he didn't. Uh, got call for pass interference as well. But it was like a short back shoulder throw that was kind of tricky. And, and he actually made the play on the ball but didn't get his head around, so they threw the flag. One of those where I'm like, you got to let the guys play, but it's probably the right call. So after, after you know, Lamar Jackson didn't look good again, Davis got beat for a touchdown by Gusecki, but kind of wasn't that bad the rest of the game. Um, <laughs> this Jets defense is more entertaining to watch now because they have so many rookies contributing. And, and you know, I was a huge mm-hmm. fan, anyone who's listened to the show, of Bryce Hall. Um, and he went in the fifth round because of injuries and such. But um, And, and he's, he's been hurt all year. But this is, uh, this is interesting. And, hey, the other one I had to throw in here because you mentioned him for start the rook last week. Ben Barge got to play, baby. He didn't start, but he played 52% of the snaps. Um, he definitely looked better than Tyler Shatley. Um, there were some hiccups in pass protection at times. The anchor was a little off, and it, but but it was just it was just up and down. Um, but from the first snap he got in there, he was mean in the run game. And I, I, I'm sure a lot oh, of people yeah. saw on Twitter the big celebration when they pushed the pile to get Robinson in. Uh, I think Barch should be there, there in the lineup going forward. He's looked good. Hell yeah. Speaking of start the rook, sadly, mine is Alex Highsmith this yeah. week because Bud Dupree tore his ACL. Contract year was having a Pro Bowl year. Hopefully he still gets that money because I think he was going to get a massive contract. The Steelers took Highsmith in the third round, expecting to lose Bud Dupree this offseason. They lose him a little earlier. So I'm excited, like I'm sad, but I'm also a little bit excited to see what Highsmith brings to the table. He's flashed as a rotational guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's looked he's looked good when when went on the field, and it, it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be weird throwing a rookie into this like elite defense. Um, but I'm hoping that he is the starting option. So you know what? While we're talking Steelers, uh, I'll talk about their next pick after. Highsmith, who was Anthony McFarlane, and he looks more explosive than anyone in that backfield. So I just want to see him get get worked in more. Like, why not? Like, and he looked pretty good I, catching the ball. I, I agree. Yeah, so I, I agree. I, I think he he should be the complimentary back to James Conner. Benny <laughs> Snell is not great. Uh, Jalen Samuel's terrible. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think like five touches a game doesn't seem too dramatic. No, and especially when you know this this Steelers offense is running the ball in short passes, and McFarland can do both of those things. And he, if he can be a nice receiving outlet, and then you know, like Connor's, he can catch all right, I guess at times. But McFarland definitely with more juice than than any of those backs. So tune in next week when Alex Highsmith and um, Anthony McFarland are the offensive and defensive <laughs> rookies of the week. <laughs>